You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1150 of the Lot on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's podcast will break down what became a 136 to 131 loss for Atlanta on the road in Portland. A pretty maddening defeat for the Hawks, all things considered. Offensively, there was a lot to like, and Trey Young had a career night with 56 points and 14 assists. He was masterful in this game, but defensively, it was a near total collapse. It's been bad for a while defensively for the Hawks, but on the perimeter in this game, it was uh, pretty ghastly, and then Portland shot the ball well on top of that to make things uh, even worse for Atlanta. So we'll get into all of that stuff. I do want to plug a couple things on the podcast for before we dive into the game itself. I talked to Wes Morton over the weekend, uh, just sort of, sort of ringing in the new year. Wes and I were recording deep in the night, and I appreciate him coming on to do, to, to do that podcast with me, but some uh, context stuff, big picture stuff, talked about the Hawks win in Cleveland on Friday. Etc. And then I did a preview slash mailbag podcast yesterday that is still in the uh, archive. If you want to listen to those podcasts, catch up, subscribe, tell your friends. It's always appreciated, and any support you can provide is uh, definitely welcome. So thank you for listening to the podcast today. So uh, basically, the context of this game, broadly speaking, is that the Hawks lose this one on defense. They're two and six in the last eight games. They trailed for most of the night. Had a nice uh, comeback to get to actually take the lead in the second half few times, and then uh, lost the fourth quarter, basically at the start of the fourth quarter, which we'll come back to later on as well, and then uh, a comeback effort in the final minute or two came up just short, and the Hawks had to leave with this loss, but uh, going back to the pregame situation and the roster situation in this game for the Hawks, what I'll say is this, the Hawks were favored in this game, but this was not a situation where the Hawks were supposed to blow them out. I know there was a lot of expectation because the Blazers were missing key pieces, Damian Lillard, TJ McCollum. Cody Zeller, their backup center, all didn't play in this game for Portland. Um, Nurkic, actually their starting center, was doubtful to play, ended up being upgraded to uh, probable, and then ended up playing. And uh, he was pretty decent to good. I think he was good in the fourth quarter, in particular of this game. But I think that because Portland had been losing a lot recently, um, they also were 1-5 without Damon Lillard in uh, this season. Uh, coming into the night, people were kind of expecting the Hawks to blow them out. I wasn't quite there. I thought the Hawks were going to win this game, just to be candid. I think it was a good spot for the Hawks. It should have been favored. But the Hawks were only, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag, only four or four and a half point favorites. Now, that's still a decent amount, given the Hawks were on the road. But it was a situation where the Hawks were at full strength, but Portland wasn't, etc. So, uh, no excuses. The Hawks needed to win this game. No question about that. But it wasn't maybe quite as bad in terms of the overall result. As some, some people might have thought, I saw a lot of skies falling. So I saw people kind of saying it was like the worst loss of the season. Uh, it wasn't quite that. It was not a lot of fun, especially when you factor in Trey Young being as good as he was and still losing. But uh, it wasn't as if the Hawks were 12-point favorites in this game. They were only four-point favorites. That is uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, as for the Hawks roster, a lot of guys back from protocols in this game. Um, Akong Wu came back. Um, Herter came back, Gallinari came back, etc. Um, actually, worth noting that Akongwu on Monday at practice said that COVID really messed him up pretty badly. It was scary for him, is the way he said it. And uh, kind of a reminder to, not necessarily to me, but to others maybe, that 
this virus is still very serious. There's been this uh, sort of notion that you know these guys are young and athletic and um, obviously in great shape, and uh, the risk is definitely lower for them. But this is the second guy now. Capella had, Capella had symptoms as well. Kongwu was pretty jarred. You could tell by him talking at practice about this. So worth noting, he had symptoms uh, throughout the way and actually couldn't do much physically. He looked okay in this game, actually, but didn't play a ton. He said he was winded on Sunday at practice, so maybe that's part of that as well. Um, in addition to the Hawks missing guys in protocols, though, Nate McMillan is now out for a least a period of time, and Chris Gent was not on the bench for the Hawks in, in this game. Neither was Nate Manexel and, and Jamel McMillan. So the Hawks were down to two assistant coaches, and one of them was the head coach, acting head coach, and Joe Prunty, and then a video coordinator is actually the third guy on the bench. So that's a uh, not normal situation for this Hawks team. And that probably hurt them a little bit here, honestly. I'm not going to try to pick on Joe Prunty too much. It's a tough spot to be the acting head coach in this spot, but he had a rough night in some ways, um, at least in terms of some high-profile stuff at the end of the game. Um, but the Hawks were still out, you know, five guys, Collins, Bogdanovich, Jang, Jalen Johnson, and Malik Ellison, plus Hunter and Hill out with injuries. And then Cam Reddish was a late scratch. It was actually, actually listen, it's probable. I thought he was going to play with the ankle injury. Um, was downgraded to questionable midday, and then before tip-off was ruled out. So that was a pretty decent loss for the Hawks there. And then Atlanta also assigned Justin Tillman to College Park before this game. Um, a little bit strange. Normally a 10-day contract guy is not going to get sent to, sent to College Park, but because the Hawks got all those guys back, he wasn't going to play anyway, and he's been in College Park before this, so he's still going to get paid like, like he's on a 10-day contract, but he'll be in College Park for part of that contract. So, again, all that said, the Hawks were favored in this game, but uh, only by about four. It was actually five and a half or six before the injury stuff came in because Nurkic was a big swing in Portland's favor, and then uh, obviously with Reddish out as well, I kind of swung things back a little bit towards the Blazers. All right, we'll dive into the game a little bit here. And at the outset, the Hawks started small, which was a curious decision. I didn't hate it too much, but I understand that it was definitely a challenge in the matchup. Um, they ended up starting Skylar Mays, Kevin Herter, and TLC as the 2-3-4 in this game in between Trey Young and Luke Capella. Now, on paper, that might make some sense because Gallinari was probably limited to some extent. Maybe not after he played a ton in the second half, but um, they like to have him on the, in that bench role. He hasn't played basketball in a couple weeks, etc. But um, And they all obviously didn't have a ton of fours in this game. They had Gallinari. They had Cam Oliver, who did not play in this game. It kind of been more playing the five for the Hawks than the four. And then, like, Shawnee Brown's kind of a combo three-four. But... All that said, it did not work at all, and um, you know I think part of that might have been just the way the bodies were aligned, but that was number one thing that did not work for the Hawks was that small ball lineup to start with. Portland opened the game 9-0, and they got um, offensive rebounds on three of, three of the first four, four possessions in this game. So that kind of hurt them, obviously, starting out 9-0 in a blink of an eye, and then they actually called timeout and brought Gallinari in immediately only about two and a half minutes into the game. So they kind of like waved the flag on that one, admitting defeat pretty quickly. And then Gallo, by the way, started the second half. So they kind of uh, made him a full-blown starter right after that, and that was a failed experiment. They trailed by as many as 11 in the first quarter, allowed 18 points on 10 possessions to start with, which is not, not great, obviously. Um, picked it up from there. Obviously, offensively, they found the groove a little bit. Um, actually made nine of their first 11 two-point shots. Trey Young, again, was awesome offensively in this game. He had 11 points and five assists in the first nine minutes. He accounted for the first 22 points for Atlanta in this game. And honestly, accounted for, I believe it was like close to 90 of the 130 in terms of points and assists. Just a wild performance from Trey on offense. Um, rotationally, the only guys that played in this game were the roster guys. After a long, long stretch here where the Hawks were having to play 10 days, um, they didn't play any of those guys in this game. It was only the roster guys 
And uh, the only guy who was not even on the football roster was Skylar Mays, who was on the two-way. But even Sharif Cooper, who was actually a two-way guy, did not play. They only played nine guys, and it was the veterans plus uh, you know plus a, plus a Kongwu basically that played in this game. So which I think was pretty interesting. They kind of used uh, Delon Wright as a wing for the most part, and then uh, a Kongwu and Lou as the backups at center and at point guard. Um, offensively, the Hawks were losing at the end of the first quarter despite a 140 offensive rating, and that was uh, more of that to come. But Trey played the whole first quarter at 16 points, 5 assists. They shot the ball well, but the Blazers hit eight threes in the opening period. They were very hot, and the Hawks were allowing too many three-point attempts, I thought, throughout this game, but especially early on. Um, the Hawks did come back nicely in the second quarter, um, which is interesting and kind of easy to forget now, but because the Hawks had a bad fourth quarter run with their bench, the first time they came in the game, when Trey sat, the Hawks actually went on a 7-0 run in the second quarter behind DeLon Wright and Anyaka Kongwu. I thought Kongwu actually played very well in that stretch. Wright played very well the entire game, I thought. But the Blazers were still scoring such a high level that they had about a, you know, they were just pouring it in, honestly, the entire game. <laughs> um, Trey sat for longer than usual, about seven minutes in the second quarter. That was a long rest for him. Um, the Blazers had an 11-4 run at one point to go up by 13 late in the first half. Then Trey went crazy at the end of the first half. He had 10 points in the last 89 seconds of the first half to get the lead down to five at the break, and that was obviously a pretty nice for where the Hawks had been, down 13. Um, at halftime, Trey had 29 points on 18 shooting possessions and nine assists. Um, the first time, by the way, in the entire NBA this season that any player had 25 points or more and nine assists or more in the first half, and Trey had 29 and nine. Obviously a remarkable night all the way around. Um, offensively, it was awesome. In the first half, defensively, it was abominable. Uh, in the first half, the Hawks allowed the Blazers to shoot 57% from the floor, 12-24 from three, 17 assists, and three turnovers for Portland before halftime. And I'll just say this, it's kind of the theme of the entire night. It was remarkable to me. I even wrote this in my notes. I said, it's honestly remarkable that the Hawks are losing this game with the way that Trey's playing on offense. And that was uh, a theme throughout this contest. So, that's a lot of information at the outset here, but uh, basically it was a microcosm of the entire game. The Hawks scored 30 points or more in the first three quarters and were still losing because they just could not get stops, and we'll get into more of that in a moment. First, though, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, we'll get into the second half now. And as I mentioned before, briefly, they started Gallinari at the four at the outset of the second half. That was the right decision, at least on paper, versus the small ball lineup. You know, I think maybe they thought that Portland was going to go small more than they did in this game. They did, they did play fast, the Blazers did, throughout, which they kind of all mentioned after the game. But they ended up staying pretty big, playing, you know, two of, you know, Larry Nance Jr. at the four or playing a little bit bigger. Uh, you know, Nas Lil is a pretty big small forward, honestly, 
physical, you know, physical size wise, he's more of a combo guy in some ways. So anyway, they put him in that small ball group for the most part, unless Gallo was on, was on the floor with a bench unit. But Anthony Simons was awesome for the Blazers. He had his best night of his career. Actually hit nine threes. Yes, nine threes for Anthony Simons at 43 points. But early in the third quarter, he actually hit four consecutive jump shots to give the Blazers the lead comfortably. Um, had his season high with 28 points with nine months left in the third quarter, which is uh, notable. You know, part of that was that Trey was guarding him, and I'm not going to belabor the point too much, but Trey's de- defense was not good <laughs> in this game. Obviously, his offense uh, did more than enough to uh, counteract that, but he had a rough night defensively, as did most guys, but they had to pull him off of Simons along the way, put him on Nas Little, who was obviously a lot bigger, and there were just no answers for uh, Simons for the most part. Herter was better on him, as was right, but still not a lot of uh, guys stopping him throughout this game. I thought Capella was a bright spot offensively in particular in this game. Um, not only was he 10 of 10 from the floor, which he was, by the way, um, but some pretty crafty finishes from him. He had a three-point play once he finished with his left hand, a couple of nice finishing moments ar- along the way there, and uh, blocking some shots, altering some shots defensively in the third quarter. I, th- I thought he was very, very good in that period. And, in fact, he kind of spurred an 8-0 run by the Hawks to take the lead in the third quarter. Back and forth, back and forth from there, um, but it was actually a 7-0 run to close for the Hawks with some help from a review in the final seconds that actually went Atlanta's way. And at that point, they had their largest lead of the night at 105-100 at the end of the third quarter, and Trey Young had 41 points and 14 assists in 30 minutes at the end of the third quarter, which is just insane. Um, both teams scoring at a high level, but the Hawks were in a good spot, up five, and then the fourth quarter happened. So... Um, they won the fourth. Th- sorry, they won the third quarter by ten points at forty to thirty, and they lost the fourth quarter by ten points at thirty six twenty six. Um, a little bit of that's pretty simplistic, but uh, the big stretch in which the Hawks lost this game really was the start of the fourth quarter. In some respects, they didn't score for about two minutes at the outset with Trey on the bench after he played the whole third quarter. I'll just say this: um, they had to rest Trey at some point. I don't think you can bank on him playing the entire second half, which I think Prunty said after the game as well. Um, I'm not saying that they needed to do that. I will say, and I said this real time, it's not exactly, uh, you know, I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking this thing. They sat him for too long, I thought, in the fourth quarter. Part of that is that um, maybe in a normal game, you might want to you know, keep an eye on Trey's minutes, etc. But, you know, a new, a new coaching staff basically on this one, not, I'm, not, I'm not used to like running the show like this. Uh, Trey sat for about two, three minutes too long, I thought. And the end result was a 12-2 run by the Blazers to go from Hawks up five to Hawks down five in about four minutes. And I think if Trey had come back a little bit earlier, that might have helped. Obviously, it would have helped as well if the Hawks just played better without him. You know, again, the first half, they didn't have a disastrous stretch without Trey on the floor. Second half, it was much worse. And, you know, I will say, I watched that stint again. There were some makeable shots. It was like the Hawks just had terrible process in that stretch. It wasn't quite as good for sure, but there were some good looks that just didn't fall. So it was kind of, uh, there's some noise in there. But the Hawks obviously lost their minutes without Trey in this game. Uh, For the most part, actually, the Hawks were minus 15. With Trey off the floor in a game, they lost by five. And that explains a lot of it. So, um, at any rate, we'll fast forward a little bit now to the Hawks down about, actually down by five, six, point, six minutes to go. Prunty rightly challenged a foul against Clint Capella on a block. It was a, clearly a bad call. He won the challenge. It got overturned. Ball went back to the Hawks. And then the next possession defensively, the same thing happened again. Like almost almost to a tee. And they couldn't challenge it because you only, only get one. So, they uh, got called for the block on that one. It was a terrible call. Uh, that cost them two points. That's worth pointing out. Um, but 
after score, and the bigger problem though, was after scoring 105 points in the first three quarters. Again, 105 three quarters is a ton. The Hawks then scored six points in almost eight minutes at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And, you know, I guess to their minor credit, they had their best defensive stretch maybe during that time because they were only down seven, which is not great. But given what they were doing defensively the rest of the, <laughs> the, rest of the game, it, it might have been worse than that. And anyway, they're down by seven with five minutes to go. That's that's pretty tough. Um, rotationally, they close they close with DeLon Wright and Gall- and Gallinari around Herter, Young, and Capella. I thought closing with Wright was the correct decision. I think he was the best player that they could have used in that spot. But Gallinari really hurt them throughout. You know, the counterpoint would be, would be they didn't really have another uh, obvious option. They could have gone to Cam Oliver, but that would have been a tough ask for him on a 10-day contract at the four. He played mostly five. He played some four with Capella against uh, Cleveland, but, um, you know, he has been playing more of a five, and obviously it's, it's tough to play him over Gallinari, who's paying, he makes, makes $20 million a year. Um, you could have gone with TLC. You could have gone with Shondi Brown. You could have gone super small. There were other options. Um, none of them great, which is why I'm not going to just like totally fillet Prunty for playing Gallinari. But I will say this, Gallinari killed them. So uh, if you want to say that they shouldn't have played him, I understand that totally. And I think you're probably right. It's just that um, the counterpoint again would be that there wasn't like an obvious replacement for him. But he was still bad. And he really hurt them uh, all night long, really. But especially down the stretch. Um... The door was kind of open with 3.30 to go, but the Hawks didn't go through it. And um, I will say they had a great double screen, like elevator play for Trey Young. They had a three they made that they kind of had to have, but they struggled to get stops. And then um, the Hawks were down by nine with like 1.50 to go. And I made note of that because that was big trouble at that point in time. But to their credit, they rallied. Um, DeLon Wright hit a huge three in the right corner. They got a stop finally. Then Trey got fouled, made both, and they're suddenly down by four. And then they forced Simons into a bad step back that he missed. And then Trey got absolutely smashed by Yusuf Nurkic with about a minute to go. I thought it should have been reviewed for a flagrant. I'm not sure they would have won that review, but at least it should have been looked at, in my opinion. At any rate, Trey, I don't know how he got up, but he did. And uh, made, made, made both free throws, which is pretty impressive, honestly, to uh, get off the ground and do that. At that point, um, it was a 7-0 run by the Hawks to get it down to 2. And also, that made Trey have 50 points at that point as well. So, a huge little stretch there to go from down nine and really in trouble to down by two. But then, they call timeout. Uh, sorry, there was a stoppage, I should say. And then, they took Trey off the floor defensively, which is the right decision. You know, as I said before, Trey's defense in this game was not very good. And when they have a timeout remaining, this is what they should do. Um, you take Trey off the floor and play defense with a better lineup. They have other guys. You have DeLon, you have Skylar Mays, etc., uh, they did that, but at the same time, they left Gallinari in the game, which is mind-boggling to me. Again, Joe Prunty, acting head coach, you know, it's tough to, like, pick on him too, too much, but that was one where I was baffled in real time. Even as the play was happening, I'm like, why is he in the game right now? And uh, it hurt them. He had, a late, he had a late rotation. He fouled a guy, um, three-point play. At minimum, you could say that maybe he wasn't going to fix the play by himself, but at minimum, he, he gave them another free point by sort of a late, pointless foul. Anyway, that was bad process. Um, I think taking Trey out is correct. I think taking Gallo out is as obvious as taking Trey out. Honestly, it's easier for me to understand leaving Trey in than it would be uh, for, to leaving Gallo in. Because at least with the argument with Trey is that if you get a stop, and Trey's on the floor, you can run down and get a quick, you know, something live because he's he's obviously your entire offense. With Gallo, you're not going to run because Trey's off the court already, 
So it's like, what's the point? I mean, even honestly, I'm not someone who's been calling for a Kongwu and Capella to play together because I think it's not something that's going to happen very much right now. But if there's ever a time for it, that would have been an appropriate one because the Kongwu is basically can play power forward on defense. It's a defense-only possession. Putting him out there would make a lot of sense to me. He was probably cool at that point, which is maybe the argument against it. But, I mean, play TLC at the four over Gallo in that, in that spot. Play really anybody would have been better, honestly. Um, so uh, a rough one there. At any rate, they come out of that um, down five and in some serious trouble. They had one more chance. Um, Gallo and Herter actually both missed threes in that possession. I thought, you know, people wanted Trey to shoot that. I totally get it. Trey was being openly double teamed and even triple teamed on that possession with the ball in his hands. So I thought it was a good look from him. Uh, he passed it to Gallinari, who had a good look at three, just missed it. That's a shot that you wanted to Even if you, you know, all the criticism of Gallo that I'll probably have more of later on. Him with a wide open three is a good shot, and he, he just missed it, and uh, that was kind of where the, where, the, where the game ended. So, I said a lot there. We'll get into more of the takeaways in a moment, but uh, long story short, again, defensively, it was rough. But uh, I, will un- I will unload the details, and there, I, I promise you there are a lot of details that are coming. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. All right, so we'll dive into some takeaways here before we get to the player observations. Um, I've told you the defense was bad. Obviously, the score indicates that as well. But uh, I will give you the more detailed observations now. A 140 offensive rating for the Blazers in 48 minutes. That's really, really bad. And it is obviously worse without both Dame and CJ. Now, if you want to be a little bit um, forgiving, you could note that, you know, Simon's had the game of his life, Norm Powell's a good offensive player, etc. But... Personnel-wise, there is no reason why Portland should be able to do this to you without their top guys. Um, they were 18 of 41 from three. That's too many attempts. Um, I would agree that you know having them make 18 of them is a little bit unlucky, but that's 44%. That's not like a crazy outlier. Uh, Simons and Little combining to go 13 of 21 is pretty rough. But I mean, Ben McLemore was two was, was two of seven. He's he's a great shooter. Uh, Robert Covington was 0 of two. He's a decent shooter. Um, Norm Powell was 2 of 5. Larry Nance, Larry Nance was 0 of 2. It wasn't like they just got, got like bombed by everybody. So uh, that's a bad defensive point. Um, 53% from the floor for the Blazers is rough. 28 free throw attempts from the from Portland is more than you want to give up. 29 assists for Portland. That's rough. They allowed more offensive rebounds, 12, than turnovers, which is only 10. Um, four guys had 20 points or more, including that career night from Simons. And really, the only thing I could find that was pretty good for the Hawks' um, defense on the stat side was that the rim percentage allowed, like um, shots in the restricted area, was pretty decent. Actually, the Blazers were only 20 of 33 at the rim. That isn't a huge number of attempts, and it's actually a well below average um, shooting percentage at the rim. Um, so maybe if you want to give some credit to the bigs, like Capella and Kongwu, I think that if, if you're trying to find blame for the defense in this game, you won't find it with those guys. Um, they were good around the rim, contesting shots. Um, but Portland was 16 of 33 on non-quarter threes. That's just ridiculous. Um, again, there's some combination always of shooting and bad defense, but I, I will lean towards bad defense in this game for the Hawks. Um, offensively, if you want to have some positives here, and there are some, um, the offense was good in this game. It wasn't only Trey. I mean, Trey was the biggest part by far. We'll get into him in a second. But a 130 offensive rating for the full game should be enough to win and win comfortably if you're the Hawks. 55% shooting is really good. Um, they weren't great from three, 14 of 41, but that's a good number of attempts. 
34% is fine. Got to the line plenty. Um, Turnover-wise, it was average, 13 a game for the Hawks. is about where they are, and that was what they committed in this game, in a fast-paced game. Um, 24 fast break points is a lot more than the Hawks usually average. That's good transition stuff from the, for Atlanta. And 31 assists is a lot for the Hawks. So if I just tell you all that, honestly, if I give you the numbers on offense, give myself the numbers on offense only for this game without watching it, and I tell you, all right, the Hawks did this, and I tell you nothing else, and, and then I say, okay, what percentage of the time do the Hawks win this game against this Portland team that you know does not have Dame and CJ? I would have said 90-plus percent of the time the Hawks win this game. So offensively, there's a lot to like. I mean, you they lost the game, and uh, that's all that matters at the end of the day, but there's a lot to like on offense, and I want to at least drive that point home. All right, to the individual stuff. Before we get out of here, we'll save Trey for the end because he was uh, obviously ridiculous in this game. Um, the bench was a mixed bag. I actually thought that DeLon Wright was quite good. Eight points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals. was plus six in 32 minutes. Two five from three. He had a big three down the stretch. Uh, two free throws as well. I thought he continues to play well. Um, he's found himself a little bit more. He's been a little bit more aggressive offensively the last couple of weeks. That's been good to see as, as he returns. Um, and yeah, again, they closed with him. That was the right move, I thought. I think, I think he was their best perimeter player outside of Trey. And uh, Herder had some nice moments as well. But those, those three guys were sort of in a class of their own in the perimeter in this game. So I thought it was the right decision, and he, and he played well. Um, Okongwu was uh, was pretty good, I thought. Wasn't, like, fantastic, but played well. Um, didn't have a rebound on the, de- on the defensive glass the entire game, which was a little bit weird. But didn't play a ton. Uh, eight, eight points, two rebounds, had a block and a steal. It was active at three fouls, but I thought he looked, looked like himself. Obviously... Um, he wasn't 100% necessarily because of all the recovery that he had from COVID and not really running and doing all that stuff and said he was winning on Sunday. But um, he looked like himself for the most part, which is good. Um, and the rest of the bench, which is only two guys, uh, hurt them, let's just say. So Lou Williams, scoreless in 11 minutes, 0-3 from the floor, did have three assists um, and in one turnover, but was minus 12. Um, you know, to be fair, 10 of those 12 points were getting run off the floor at the beginning of the fourth quarter. But Lou doesn't give you much right now. Uh, I've said it a lot, but I think Lou is definitely in the uh, spot in his career where it's probably over for him. But they played him very little in this game, which is actually to their credit. They only played him when Trey's off the floor, which is the right decision. That's what I would have done coming into the game if you are going to play him. Play him only with Trey off the floor and use Mays and Wright as your kind of off guards, which is what they did. But um, Lou just kind of killed them. And defensively, it's always, a, it's always rough at this point. Like, always, without fail, it's rough. And you kind of just need him to have good offensive games. And this game, he didn't have it. So the overall net negative there was uh, pretty severe. Then you get to Gallinari. Uh, Gallinari, 35 minutes. That's a lot. That's actually, that's way more than I would have projected him to play in this game. Not because of the role, because again, he was the only real, like, normal power forward they had. um, Other than a 10-day guy in Cam Oliver. But Gallo, you know, first came off the uh, COVID list, etc. And he was bad (laughs) as well. Uh, Seven points. Did have 11 rebounds, but that's kind of a fluky 11 rebounds if you watch it back. Um, four assists, but 3 of 14 from the floor, 1 of 7 on 3, so that's, that's 2 of 7 on 2s. No free throw attempts either for Gallo, which is always a red flag. If he's got it going, he's usually got it going at the line, unless he's just bombing away from 3. But, um, you know, defensively, it's really, really rough for Gallo, even under normal circumstances. And this is the first game back, and probably didn't have his legs and all that stuff, and it was really bad. Um, so... You know, there's a lot of focus. I think there probably should be in this game about Lou and Gallinari as the two veterans. This is different spots in some ways. Like, we talked about this before, but um, Lou, being on a one-year deal, can't be traded. But also, it's a 
it might be in a political spot where you can't bench him, but I think that um, it's a lot easier to move on from, from Lou because you have other options and it's not a huge investment. Gallinari, people, I've seen people call for just kind of you know not having him play or benching him or trading him, whatever. Um, I get all that. Nights like this where he doesn't have an offense, it's really, 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 really bad, obviously. But uh, $20 million plus and then five for next year and, uh, you know, there's no, there's nowhere else to go. Back in power forward is kind of a wasteland after that. I know Jalen Johnson's been a popular subject, but even he's not ready either. It's been pretty obvious at this point in time. So uh, it's rough. I'll just leave it to tonight for this purposes. But I think um, if you're looking for a singular player that did the most damage for the Hawks in this game, I would give you Gallinari. Um, just because of the defense and the fact that he played you know, three times as many minutes as Lou did, and that was really rough. All right, to the starters. Uh, Scott Mays was only a starter name only, basically. You know, he, he started and then played uh, kind of a bench role from there. Four points, two rebounds, two assists, two steals. I thought he was okay. He wasn't uh, He wasn't great by any means. Um, 0-3 on threes. So I, I was okay not playing him a ton. I think Wright was better, but uh, he didn't kill them. Uh, he was on the floor with some of, that bad, some of his bad minutes, but that wasn't necessarily his fault. And then TLC... Um, eight points in his return, had five fouls, but had, had two assists, a steal, and a block, and a rebound. I, I don't really understand why Hawks fans don't like him. <laughs> There's just like this like tidal wave in my mentions every time he plays, and like, he was getting blamed for stuff tonight, and I don't understand that. He was fine. I mean, he didn't play great, nor was he terrible. He was just kind of doing his job. 19 minutes just was fine. Um, and then Herter, I thought, was okay. Um, didn't have his three-point stroke in this game, but was six of eight on twos. So that's good to see from him. His sort of attack mode. Two assisted rebounds, 18 points for Herter at 37 minutes. I thought, he, I thought he played well in his first game back. And the Capella, I thought, was great on offense. Um, you know, 22 points, 11 rebounds, 10 of 10 from the floor. Uh, you know, that's obviously been the number one complaint from Hawks fans this year about Capella has been his bad finishing around the rim, and it's been bad. Um, people have kind of forgotten that he's been good on offense in the past. I think he's still a threat as a lob guy, etc. But he was good in this game on offense, um, over the free throw shooting. Um, defensively, I don't think he was great, but like he was getting a lot of the heat I saw on Twitter for like the defensive performance, which I don't understand. Like it was not his fault, nor Kongwu's. I think if you're trying to find two guys on the floor that really weren't at fault for the defense in this game, it would have been the centers, um, and maybe Delon Wright. Beyond that, would have been the other guy that I would circle as like being average or better defensively. Everybody else was pretty bad. So. Uh, yeah, is Capella the most mobile guy in the world? No. I think if you see him versus a Kongwu, and this is a credit to a Kongwu more than it is a knock on a Capella. That's, I, want to try, I want to say that again. It's a credit to Capella, sorry, credit to a Kongwu rather than a knock on Capella because a Kongwu is freakishly good on the perimeter defensively. So it makes Capella look slower. Like Capella is kind of slow, but centers are generally slow. And Capella is an elite rim protector and obviously an elite rebounder, probably the best guy in the league rebounding the ball right now. So um, they're different players. And uh, they're very, they're both very good, but Capella I thought was good in this game. He was not the problem at all, and uh, yeah, I'll just leave that there. And lastly, uh, Trey Young was awesome offensively. That goes without saying, but I will read some numbers to you now. Um, first of all, 56 points, 14 assists, four rebounds. Now he was efficient as well. 17 of 26 from the floor. Uh, he was 10 of 14 on twos, seven of 12 on threes, and 15 of 15 at the free throw line. That is uh, ridiculous in every way. Um, only four turnovers as well with the ball in his hands all night long. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that speaks for itself. His previous career high was 50 back in 2020 against Miami. Um, and some uh, history stuff as well for Trey. Um, he is now the only he – has, he has all three of the 40-15 games 
um, for the Hawks in franchise history. Uh, sorry, 40-14 games in franchise history for the Hawks. Um, again, he had the first 25-9 first half in the NBA of the season. He's the only player since James Harden, only player along with James Harden, I should say, the only two guys since 1998 to have at least 40-10 and 10 through three quarters. Um, he's the first player since Tiny Archibald and the second player in NBA history to have 50 points and 14 assists and a loss, which is crazy. And then this is the kicker. He is the only player in the history of the NBA to score 55 points and have 14 plus assists in a game. That happened tonight. They lost the game, yes, but uh, that is remarkable. Um, Also, in the uh, 37, 38 minutes that he played, the Hawks scored 117 points, and they scored 14 points in the 10-plus minutes with him off the floor. That was per Kevin Chouinard of Hawks.com. That's wild. So obviously, that speaks for itself. And he was only one point shy of the franchise record for scoring 57 points. So, um, in my typical way to give you the full picture, I have to say that Trey was pretty terrible defensively. But honestly, like you can't nitpick too much when he's this good on offense. He obviously uh, outpaced that defensive uh, uh, lag by a lot on offense, and you know it's just brutal. I mean, and honestly, it was refreshing. And I think to his credit, he came out um, to the podium after the game. And was asked a question about his about his night, and instead of indulging it, he kind of just said, "Nothing matters unless they win," which is uh, what you want to hear your stars say. And, you know, everybody knows the NBA; like guys know their numbers and they want to get their numbers. That definitely is the case. But um, I thought it was good to hear from Trey, like, "Look, this this doesn't matter." Like, and also, you know, if you're Trey Young, he's gonna have more of these nights, and that's the best part about the Hawks right now is that you know this is a new thing, even for me as someone who's followed this team very closely for. Or almost 30 years at this point in time, and you know, even before that, when I was very, very young, um, they've not, they have not had a guy like this that can just do his stuff all the time since Dominique. And uh, yeah, it's refreshing in some ways. So yeah, it sucks that they lost this game um, with him doing this, and that made it a little bit more brutal. But uh, he was remarkable, and honestly, like I said it before, I think he is first team All NBA for me, along with along with Steph Curry at, at the guard line right now. If I if I had to submit a ballot, which I don't have a ballot, but I wish I did. Um, I would vote him as the number two guard in the league this year behind Steph Curry. That's how, that's how good he's been this season. So that's it for itself. Um, yeah. From there, I mean, my final thought in what was a very weird game. It's very late in the evening here, almost 2 a.m. as I'm recording this. Um, you know, defensively, it was just remarkably bad. And it really was. And the Hawks now, for the season, the numbers are uh, are very bad. I mean, they're down to 27th in the league. And defensive rating. There's some noise in there because they have so many replacement players, etc. But uh, this is 36 games. You're talking about almost half the season, and they are bottom five in defense. And yeah, it's just not, you can't point to one thing. I think if you want to find one thing, quote unquote, it's point of attack defense. But even then, the rotations have been slow. Closing out shooters has been bad. Um, Capella hasn't been as good. I think that he's still a good defender, and that's kind of been lost, is that there is some nuance between like, He's now terrible, which is just not true. Um, but look, I mean, no one has, no one's carrying the load. Um, there have been all kinds of weaknesses. I mean, I can go through, I, I've done it before, like player for player, about guys who have struggled this year, and it's basically almost everyone. So it's got to get fixed. They all know it. But um, yeah, three more games on the road here, and we'll get, we'll see how, I'll see how they can sort of navigate this thing. But it really is remarkable that the Hawks are number two in the NBA in offensive rating, and they are 16 and 20. That is tough to do, folks. Now, granted, they are um, about dead even net rating, so that makes it a little bit more swingy, and they've won some blowouts and lost some close games. But uh, 
yeah, it is really, really hard to be number two in the league in offense and be four games under 500. That's tough. All right, from here, the Hawks go to Sacramento for a game on Wednesday. Um, that's one where we'll see who gets back. Uh, they could have more guys back at that point in time. They can have less guys available. We'll see about, we'll see about Cam Reddish. Um, obviously, the two big names that are still in the protocols are Collins and Bogdanovich. They could come out at any point as well between now and then. Um, that's a game on Wednesday that's actually a back-to-back with travel for Sacramento. So there's a rest advantage for the Hawks in that game. Uh, obviously, it's still on the road. The Kings are not very good. They have won three of the last four games, but um, you know that's a team where it's kind of similar to Portland and that Sacramento's defense is very bad, like bottom five, bottom six in the league. And offensively, they're just more like league average. So it's a team that has like a minus four-ish net rating this year. And I think if the Hawks have... This roster or better, they might be favored again on the road, and we'll see if they can win that game. So, uh, interesting game coming up. And then from there, they go, to, they go to Los Angeles for a game on Friday and a game on Sunday. So, they're on the road. They're going to start winning some games. But, um, yeah, going to be tough to uh, overcome this one in the near future. But you got to wipe this one from your mind, and we'll uh, reassess in the future. All right, that's going to do it for me today. As I said, I've said way too many things about this game. But please, please, please subscribe. Please forgive my ramblings. As it, Again, it's like 2 a.m. Eastern, and I'll be up in about three hours again. Um, but, uh, again, please subscribe. Tell a friend about the podcast. I don't think we'll have another, another show between now and Wednesday, but uh, I don't, don't hold me to that. I could have one, potentially, but I would guess my next show will be after the game on Wednesday evening um, from Sacramento, etc. And uh, we'll see you then. But, uh, again, I sincerely appreciate all the support. Uh, hopefully this is going to be good for your morning commute on Tuesday, and we'll see you next time.